Welcome to the Rich Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this word inspires you, gives you faith, and lifts you up to know that God can and will move in your life. Enjoy the message. I am finalizing our Fruit of the Spirit series today, and, and it's been, I just, I don't know about you, but I have really been encouraged and have really grown through this, this, uh, this series. How many of you have really enjoyed this series? I really feel like it's opened our eyes to who we are as, as people, as individuals, and how we communicate with other people, right? Because we made mention at the very beginning of this series that these fruit are not just for us internally, but they are relational, right? So they're, they're for us to communicate with other people. And uh, so uh, today... I've, I've mixed all these uh, fruit up a little bit, so we've taken them out of uh, order. But we're talking today on a gentle spirit. Gentleness is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And this is the seventh week that we've been growing through our study of the fruit of the Spirit. And this week we're going to look at gentleness. And you might be thinking, are you serious? we got to look at gentleness. Do you know what happens to gentle people? They get walked over. They get stepped on. They get laughed at. Most often they get ignored. So thanks, but no thanks. Right? I'll, I'll take all the others, but I'm going to pass on gentleness. I'm going to be honest with you. I've, I've really kind of been a gentle person, I think, pretty much my whole life. I, I let people interrupt me. I, I, people will talk over me. Most people don't listen to what I have to say when I'm in a group, in a conversation. It's true. And, and if there's people loud in the conversation like Monty and Lawanda, there's no chance for this guy. So, so I sit there. I sit there quietly. And, and, and typically that's what happens to gentle people, right? That's what you think, right? So, so why might we have a negative response when we hear the word gentleness? The dictionary defines the word as this, mild, moderate, soft, and delicate, submissive to voluntarily assume equality with an inferior. Galatians 5, 23 is where we're taking all of these out of, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Gentleness is one of the qualities that God wants to cultivate in our lives. Gentleness is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. And maybe uh, a, a, it's, a, it's a struggle that we have with gentleness is that we don't really understand what it is. Charles Swindoll wrote this. In our rough and rugged individualism, we think of gentleness as weakness, being soft and virtually spineless, but not so. Gentleness includes such inviolable qualities as having strength under control, being calm and peaceful when surrounded by a heated atmosphere, emitting a soothing effect on those who may be angry or otherwise beside themselves, possessing tact and gracious courtesy that causes others to retain their self-esteem and dignity instead of losing 
the gentle gain instead of being ripped off and taken advantage of, they come out ahead. Now, that's something worth striving for instead of, instead of losing the gentle gain. We don't lose, but we gain. Instead of being ripped off and taken advantage of, the gentle come out ahead. The first thing I want us to look at is power under control. Power under control. See, the Greek word for gentleness comes from two words. They are crazy and how you pronounce them, so I'm not even going to try. Because I'm sure it'll, I'll mess it up. But one of them means humility or considerateness, meekness. It usually refers to things, objects, or people. Words that are gentle, soothing medicine, soothing actions, soothing feelings. See, this word might refer to tame animals or charitable and generous people. It's something that you would expect from your friends. The second word is a word used to express a balanced or uh, intelligent, uh, decent outlook on life. A good citizen, an uh, admired person, a trusted individual. These all fall under the, the heading of this second word. Plato called this the cement of society. So the Greeks define gentleness as power under control. And their word picture was that of a horse that had been tamed. You see, gentleness was to them a powerful animal whose passion and power was fully and completely under control. So what are some of the word pictures that we could assign today? Bring to your mind uh, pictures um, that you may have seen uh, of Hurricane Katrina when it went through and just tore up the south. We saw water and wind totally out of control, wreaking devastation and destruction wherever it went. But now, I want you to think about this. That same power from water, when brought under control, is the power that rushes over a dam, turning the turbines that will generate electricity and light to surrounding cities. That's power under control. A disease out of control. I wonder if we know anything about that. It can, con- it can destroy the body and even kill the individual. We know this. I'm not old enough to remember the horrors of polio epidemic back in the 50s. But parents were afraid to send their children to school. They were afraid to send them out to play. The same disease under control, however, can produce a vaccine that saves lives. I I don't remember the day when the Salk vaccine was introduced, bringing hope and health to so many. It was power under control. Second thing I want us to look at today is restorative gentleness. 
restorative gentleness. In order to get a better picture of what this kind of gentleness is about, I want to look in Scripture for some examples, some word pictures of power under control, right? God wants our lives to reflect the character of Christ. So I I, want to take a look at some situations that Jesus found himself in, situations uh, with people who would try our patience, test our gentleness, and would keep us humble. In the fourth chapter of John, Jesus encounters the woman at the well. This is the woman who was married five times and is now living with a man who isn't her husband, and she's a she's a Samaritan. That's not a positive thing. <laughs> not the kind of person you want to be associated with in Jesus' time. Jesus is, he, he asks her for a drink of water, and her response isn't all that kind, yet Jesus responds to her gentleness. Why? Is he afraid of her? Is he afraid someone might see him them together? Or worse yet, is he afraid that she may leave and tell people that Jesus spoke to her, even Jesus hit on her? None of the above. He responded gently because he saw beyond her reputation. He saw a thirsty and needy person. He saw a person who needed his living water. He saw a person who needed restoration. And with gentleness, Jesus restored her. Then Jesus encountered the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Those who caught her were salivating they could feel the smooth stones in their hands and were poised to stone her to death they they could hardly wait but did Jesus join them did he pick up a stone and join the crowd no using his finger he rode in the sand and when he was finished They were all gone. Just the woman was there. Jesus looked at her and he said this in Luke chapter 8 verse 10. He said, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Clearly. She was guilty. But Jesus knew that. But he saw beyond her reputation. He saw a person who needed to be restored. And with gentleness, Jesus restored her. Then in Luke chapter 19, we read the story of Jesus And that wee little man in the tree, Zacchaeus. The hated tax collector. Rich because he took money from other people. Absolutely despised by everyone. Does Jesus 
upon seeing Zacchaeus, point his finger at him and accuse him of being the thief that he really is? No. Jesus looks up, points to Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, chapter 19, verse 5, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today, I must stay at your house. Jesus saw beyond Zacchaeus' reputation. And he saw a man who needed to be restored. And with gentleness, Jesus restored him. I want you to think about how many times We've talked about somebody that has done something wrong. I want you to think about how many times you may have done something wrong. And you wanted someone to be gentle to you. I believe there are there's something to be said when Jesus says, um, and he says, you know, you, you may not have murdered somebody, but you've murdered them with your words. I want to ask you a question today. How does that show gentleness? When you join in on a conversation, tearing somebody down, critiquing somebody because they didn't quite do it the way that you thought they should, Did you hear what they did? Careful that you don't be a believer that destroys rather than builds up. Now picture this scene from Luke chapter 2. Martha, remember I spoke on this a few months ago. Martha, a friend of Jesus, had invited him and his disciples over for dinner. Lots of preparation was needed to go into the meal. So picture Jesus in the living room. Mary, Martha's sister, sitting at His feet and 12 disciples sitting with Him. And it's a beautiful scene. Jesus is teaching and Martha's in the kitchen. And all Luke says is that Martha was in the kitchen. Then she came out. Between Martha in the kitchen and the word then... I'm guessing there was some banging of pans, slamming of cabinet doors, probably some heavy sighing and some mumbling under the breath. And it was all Martha. All in the hopes that Jesus might come in and say, Martha, can I help you? Is something wrong? You seem distraught. But Martha gets all worked up. Comes out. Stands in front of Jesus. Hands on her hips. And says, tell my sister to help me. I'm slaving. All by myself, right? Face to face with his friend Martha. Jesus could have rebuked her. Because she deserved it. You interrupted Martha. You interrupted me speaking to everybody. But he didn't say that. 
He said, Martha, Martha. Two times he calls her name, but it was in a tone of endearment. It was in a tone of, of gentleness. He, he saw beyond her frustration, and he saw beyond her anger, and he saw beyond her jealousy. He saw a woman who needed to be restored. And Jesus, with his gentleness, restored her. The third thing I want us to look at today is the source of Jesus' strength because we need this. And you might say, Jesus, th- this was Jesus. He was the all powerful Son of God. If I live like that, I'd probably get stomped on. That's true. You might. And he probably will. Jesus did. From a worldly perspective. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. Friends deserted him. Sounds like getting stomped on to me. But before all of the betrayal, when Jesus was about to die, Jesus was in the garden. And He knew what was coming. He knew He needed to draw strength from His Father. He knew He needed it. When I was growing up, my grandmother had a picture. In fact, if I remember right, it was hanging in the in the church of Jesus in the garden knelt. Remember that? The old PH, the old church. It's Jesus in the garden. He was kneeling down before a big rock. It was over there on that side by the piano. His hands are folded and he was a, had this serene look on his face. And there's a light coming from heaven. Remember that? That's probably not the way it happened. But that was the picture. But in Matthew chapter 26 verse 38 it says, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. This was Jesus speaking. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Have you ever felt like that? Then we read, In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, the very next verse, he went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In other words, if there's any way if there's any way For it to be some other way. Let that happen. But if not, then not as I want. Not my will, but thine be done. I think you could feel the the agony of Jesus' heart because he was hurting. 
and, and the release as Jesus gives up His will to the Father. There is freedom and strength in that exchange. When Jesus left the garden, filled with the power from the Father, He walked into the next scene full of strength, full of dignity, full of power, power and strength. Listen, under control. Because He knew who was in control. In verse 53, Jesus speaks a most powerful statement in, verse, in chapter 26, verse 53. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and He will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? You see, Jesus willingly gave up that power to embrace a greater power, strength, Jesus was getting was under control, under the control of his father. What's, what's the face of gentleness? The fourth point I want to make today is the face of gentleness. So what does the fruit of gentleness look like in my life? What does the fruit of gentleness look like in your life, in our relationships, in our church, in our community? First, it means that there are going to be times that I'm not going to get my way. No, don't cry. There's going to be times you don't get your way. And I know it's hard for some of us, including me, to accept that. But it's true. It means that I'm going to do all that I can do. And then I'm just going to let go and trust God. It means I have to give up my right, listen, to be right. I have to give that up. And it means there are going to be times when I'll need some restoration. And there, what, what do you think would have happened if Martha would have looked at Jesus and said, Oh, put a sock in it, Jesus. I don't, I'm, I'm a strong woman. I don't need your words. Because a lot of times, listen to me, a lot of times people try to offer restoration and there are people that are not willing to accept it because they think they've got it all under control. We've got to turn loose and let God do some work in us. Get your hands off your hips. That's a, you know what I mean? Settle down. It's okay. The face of gentleness, it means that I'm going to, I'm going to do all that I can do and trust God. It means I have to give up my right to be right. And it means there, there are going to be times when I need restoration. There are going to be times when I need to offer restoration. So gentleness is displayed in my attitude. Gentleness is displayed in my attitude. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Because Paul wrote this. We, we know Paul. We know Paul is one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. This is what he says. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? 
Because I think what often we do is we determine in our heart that it's our four and no more. As long as me, my husband, me, my wife, and my kids are okay, then it's okay. But it says here, because you got to remember, Paul, if you look at the context, he's not talking to a husband and wife and their kids. He's talking to the body of Christ. Did you hear me? He's talking to the body of Christ. He says, let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. So what do we know about this attitude? Again, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. But made himself of no reputation. Who is this talking about? It's Jesus. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. I want you to think about each of us living to serve one another, to love one another, to put one another's interest above our own. It's an attitude that that prompts us to park a little further away from church so that somebody else can have the close one. Right now, we don't have that problem. Everybody's, oh, COVID, right? And so we stay away. Oh, snow. You know? And so we stay away. Something happens. But it's an attitude. You know what? I'm going to let someone else sit here. Or you know what? I'm going to let somebody else have this uh, whatever it is. Thinking of others first. It's an attitude that prompts us to serve in in whatever capacity we can or during the week donate some food to the food pantry or whatever it may be. Maybe you could come up with an even better idea of serving but this kind of attitude can be seen in a teachable spirit because oftentimes you won't find the the one serving having a teachable spirit. And be careful that the ones serving don't have an attitude that they don't have a teachable spirit. Maybe I'm wrong, but I I know that's a hard concept, but we have to work on it. We need to choose this attitude. We need to choose to listen and then make an informed decision. It's an attitude uh, that's in the DNA of God's people who stay close to the vine. I've said it so many times. We have to stay close to the vine. Whether he was washing feet, serving lunch, healing the sick, or standing before Pilate, Jesus knew that he was the Son of God, sent to serve and to restore. He was the Son of God, sent to die for our sins. That's the truth that shapes our attitude. And that's the gentleness that we see from God, who sent Jesus here so that our relationships with God could be restored. It was Christ's gentleness that allowed him to forgive and to love. And he calls each of us to be like him, to exhibit power and strength under control. This is the attitude of Christ. Gentleness. It's also 
displayed in my behavior. Paul writes to the Ephesians and tells them to be completely humble and gentle, bearing with one another in love. And in the Bible, gentleness is often used as the opposite of such words as harsh or unrelenting or strict and severe. It's opposite of those. Bearing with one another in love means to hang in there with the person, to do acts of kindness, bring a meal to someone, drive a friend to the hospital or to the airport. I was up at 3 a.m. this morning, and I drove our friend David Campbell to the airport because he had to go to a Mayo Clinic to, to have tests all his prosthetic uh, put in this week, and he's going to be there all week, and, and Athena couldn't go. Care for your, for your people. Care for other people. Behavior comes after attitude. When the attitude of your heart is in the right place, your behavior will follow. In conclusion, the fruit of gentleness must be seen in your attitude. Can I say this? All the fruit needs to be seen in your attitude. There are times that other people are going to disagree with you. And my thought is that when it comes to gentleness, I I believe that a gentle spirit allows us to be where we disagree or have a different opinion. And still be gentle about it. Just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean that you have to be abrasive or harsh or severe or unrelenting. See, the fruit of gentleness must be seen in our behavior as well, not just our attitude. And in our conversation as well. Especially when things don't go the the way that we want them. Your spouse, can I tell you something, is going to disappoint you. I mean, you hope it's not with, you know, sausage and bacon and eggs, biscuits and gravy, meatloaf, a roast, or how they, I mean, you know, we could have checks on, before you get married, how do you cook deer steak? You know? Squirrel and dumplings, you eat it, can you cook it? That's all that matters. I'm joking, I'm joking. Your spouse will disappoint you at times. Your boss will rub you the wrong way. Your kids will disobey. Your friends will betray you. Even your church will fail you at times. There will be times when you will be right and everyone else will be wrong. But what will you do about that? What choice will you make? Will you come out fighting? Will you add to that chip on the shoulder? Or will you respond honestly and humbly using words sprinkled with grace and gentleness? Can I tell you something? A person that sticks around is a person that has gentleness. Because the church is not perfect. The church's leadership is not perfect. And can I tell you something? Neither are you. Neither is your pastor. I'll admit it. Thank God. 
there was only one perfect. And they crucified Him. The right choice isn't one that just happens. The right choice, the fruit of of gentleness, isn't something that just comes naturally. Gentleness comes from a life committed to living close to the vine. It's a cultivated life committed to a deepening relationship with God. It's a life that offers grace because of the grace God has given to us. True gentleness is power and strength that's been brought under God's control. Gentle people have been transformed by the surprising message of God's grace and they delight in showing that grace to others. There's... there's uh, a person that I would say is is one of the most gentle people that I know. I shared this with David. And David Campbell is one of the most gentle people that I know. And, and I see the things that he goes through and, and what he's been through. And I think, you know what? Why in the world? Somebody that exemplifies, truly exemplifies more of the fruit of the Spirit than probably anybody I know. And look, he's battling cancers, lost an eye, that whole entire jaw. He's got a hole in it, in, 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 in right here he's got a hole. He has lost his entire palate pretty much. Fighting cancer, but yet he's so gentle. He's so kind. I love David. I've given you so many examples today. And as we close out of our Fruit of the Spirit series, I will finish it by saying this. Each one of these fruit is a choice that you have. You can either live with them, use it, or you choose not to. It's your choice. The Lord has given you All the gentleness that you need, it's inside there. Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes you don't sound like it. Probably sometimes I don't sound like it, even behind the pulpit. But sometimes the Lord, He gives us the strength to be gentle when we need to be gentle. And there are people in your life that need to be restored. And there are moments in your life when you need to be restored. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Father, Lord, we just love you so much. And we thank you, God, for your word. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who ultimately is the greatest example that we could ever ask for. Help us, Lord. Have the attitude, the behavior, and the conversations all within our relationships of gentleness. Father, we surrender our attitude of unrelenting, unrelenting attitude that we have at times our harsh words that we have at times, our quick responses that are not kind, we surrender them to you, God. And we trust in you.
Jesus' name.